welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Well, a not-so-funny thing happened to our Quebec correspondent, Alexa Lavoie, the other day. She was covering a story, and for reasons that remain inexplicable, the Quebec City Police confiscated equipment, including an SD card, from her cameraman. Alexa has plenty to say about these law enforcement goons who apparently think they are enfor enforcing the law of Venezuela, not Canada. So what's the deal regarding Natalie Klein and the Alberta government? Natalie operates a barbershop in central Alberta, a barbershop that was fined for illegally reopening during the lockdown. Those charges were eventually withdrawn by a Crown prosecutor. Victory, right? wrong because the authorities have reissued lockdown tickets to her. Can you say abuse of regulatory authority? I can. Sheila Gunn-Reed has all the details and letters. We get your letters. We get them every minute of every day. And you had plenty to say about my visit to Justin Trudeau's Richmond Hill campaign stop to prop up his disgraced candidate, Majid Johari. And speaking of disgraceful, not only did Justin not take any questions, but I was actually physically roughed up by his RCMP bodyguards for absolutely no good reason whatsoever. Those are your rebels. Now let's round them up. Okay, everyone, this is a very serious video because freedom of the press is under attack. It's it hadn't happened to me, it would be hard for me to believe. First, I'm going to tell you what happened to us, and then I'm going to ask you to help us. Let me explain. I went to a shopping center in Quebec City with Guillaume, the freelance journalist, who often works as my cameraman, except on this day, Guillaume was working for himself. That day, we were covering a protest led by Francois Mariga, where people were simply going to shop without a mask. They just wanted to assert their right to walk around freely without face covering. But here is where things get crazy for me and my friend. The police were already on scene as Francois led the demonstration into the Walmart. I fought away because I am a journalist following this story, and so did Guillaume. Totally normal so far. Once inside of the Walmart, the protester took off their masks, so the police moved in to remove them from the store. Francois was arrested pretty roughly, and like the journalist that we are, Guillaume and I documented everything. While I was filming, the arrest of Francois, I turned around to realize that Guillaume surrounded by police. Two of them were grabbing at his camera, asking him to turn it off. We are journalists and we don't turn off our camera for anybody, especially not in a public place where there is no presumption of privacy and a new worthy event is happening. I started filming what was happening to Guillaume because I didn't know if he was able to film or if the 
police had turned his camera off. One officer ordered Guillaume to turn his camera over to the police so that they could have it for evidence on court. Since when in Canada do we size journalists' camera for evidence in court? If the police want evidence, they can use their own body camera. They can use the surveillance footage at the Walmart. The only reason to size our footage would be to hide how the police handled the demonstration that day. So I told the policeman that he had no warrant and no right to take our equipment. And he say he didn't need it. They even took the camera's bag, claiming they didn't know what was inside it. Unfreaking believable, pardon my French. Since when did law enforcement in Quebec take their cues from how police treat journalists in such countries as, oh, I don't know, Venezuela and Iran. What a disgraceful example of police, of policing in which the police actually broke the very law that they have been entrusted to uphold. And joining me now with more on this story is our Quebec-based reporter, Alexa Lavoie. Bonjour, Alexa. Bonjour, David. <laughs> so, Alexa, <laughs> I really couldn't believe my eyes watching this video. Simply put, the police, they just can't confiscate property without a search warrant. So the question is this, are these bully boy cops ignorant of the law or do they simply not care? Uh, actually, they are just not, not caring about what I was saying because I told them, I told them what is the law and what the answer to me, I'm a journalist, not a lawyer. But I was like, if you know that I'm a journalist, you probably know that you cannot take our um, property, our footage. So why are you doing that to us? And uh, Alexa, that is indeed the crux of the matter. Why were they taking our, our property? Why did they want the footage on that SD card in the first place? If they say that they want this for proof in court, but I was like, okay, but Walmart have surveying, uh, surveillance camera and the shopping mall as well. And you have your body camera. Why taking our footage for proof? It's the only footage that we have that you will probably don't like. It's all you, how is your behavior against us? So I don't know why they wanted our footage instead of taking the footage from the 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 shopping mall. I, I don't I don't get that. No, I, I don't get it either. In fact, uh, Alexa, if what they say is true, we wanted video evidence of you being in uh, this uh, Walmart store. Well, their body cams and the Walmart surveillance footage would be superior evidence because they're showing the macro view. They're showing you, the photographer. Otherwise, the photographer, he's not in his own camera lens of what he's shooting. So it doesn't make sense to me. I think it's more like they wanted to, pour, to show their power. They wanted to 
again, abuse of their power against us. At the beginning, they didn't want it just the SD card. They wanted the full camera, keeping a camera that have a really, not just a big value, but it's our tool for work. So why taking not only this, but the camera as well. And when I say you have no warrant to take it and you have no authorization, they say, I will call my superior. And <laughs> if they say that um, something else, I will give you back your, your um, camera. I was like, no, it's not what, how it would work. Give us our stuff, our tool and our like camera back because I'm not giving you my authorization and I'm not going uh, you anything that you can take this from us and you have no warrant. So if you want to keep it, give me your warrant from the court. Oh, 100%, Alex. I mean, I think what I would have said to them is, oh, uh, newsflash, the law applies to your supervisor too, you know? It's, I mean, it's just unbelievable. Tell me a hypothetical question, Alexa. If your photographer, if he had turtled, if he held onto his camera and said, no, this is mine, you don't have a warrant, do you think things could have gotten ugly? Yes, so actually, um, at the beginning, they, they stopped, they stopped the camera on the, the camera of my uh, friend, Guillaume. They, they, they literally take the camera on his neck, stop it, and they grab the camera on his neck and they remove it because he didn't want it and he didn't give them the authorization to take it. And because of that, the... Um, the police officer started to be really arrogant and impassioned and he yelled to him, give me your camera, do not argue, it's a proof in court. And I was <laughs> like, what? <laughs> it, you know, it, it's amazing, Alexa. I mean, I go back to April when we had the houseboat uh, rented in yeah. Montreal. We were four people under capacity. We had a 10 and a half hour showdown uh, with the police. They were going to, I understand, multiple judges trying to get a search warrant. And the and when the judge would hear what the reason was, he was saying, are you kidding me? But that was, I thought, a total abuse of their authority. Yeah. You, you, you know, and, and for what? You want to go into a houseboat and search the belongings uh, and the rooms of journalists? I mean... We're not, you know, a drug cartel that just came down to St. Lawrence. So there's just something really weird about, you know, the policing in Quebec, you know, based on that incident and, and based on what happened to you, which, which I thought was, was so outrageous. But tell me, Alexa, that was um, several days ago. Do you have any update uh, for us right now? Have, has the police reached out to us? Uh, has there been any apology? Uh, have the uh, has the equipment been returned? Anything like that? Not at all. We have wow. actually um, Ribbon News have sent like a um, a letter to claim that we want our property back to us, but we don't have any update and no nothing like no call, no apologize, and actually. 
um, I had another like interaction with another police that uh, were really aggressive last night with me just because he saw the rebel news like outlet on me. So I was like, what is going on with the police with like uh, rebel news? Why being as aggressive to us? Do, I'm probably <laughs> sure that they will not doing that to CBC or TVA or other like um, media. It's just because it's it's probably us. We we make them like uh, afraid. I don't know. Oh, Alexa, let me tell you, my friend, if that happened to a CBC journalist, there'd already be a royal commission struck right now to find out uh, why that journalist was uh, so mistreated. Well, listen, it was an outstanding video. Um, it's an outrageous video, and I feel that the cops are going to learn the hard way in court. They cannot operate above the law, even though they are police. Alexa, you have a wonderful weekend, my friend. You too. Thank you. Thank you so much. And that was Alexa Lavoie in Quebec City. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Oh, it's been stressful. Um, but, you know, I have confidence in my, uh, my legal defense, my counsel, Chad Williamson at Williamson Law. And he's been fantastic with uh, handling all these court proceedings. And, you know, I really can't wait for my day in court on September 13th. But I think it, it does take someone to stand up and put their foot down and say enough's enough of this BS. And uh, at the end of the day, I'm still going to open my business. I'm still going to be here. I'm not going to mandate any vaccine passport or any as for any medical history from anybody. And whether someone chooses to walk through my door and support me, I will always be here regardless of your medical status, race, anything. Natalie was immediately recharged with those same offenses, the same ones that were previously withdrawn by the Crown Prosecution. We're alleging that this take back of the withdrawal and a reissuing of these identical charges amounts to an abuse of process. Central Alberta businesswoman Natalie Klein is suing the government and the police for abuse of process in her COVID lockdown ticket case, but she needs our help. To do it. Warning. Censorship. Warning. Censorship. Do you remember Natalie Klein? She's the Central Alberta barbershop owner who defied the lockdown restrictions on personal care businesses. She reopened her barbershop to the open arms of her community and, I guess, to some extent, the jealousy and resentment of other local area salon owners who were unwilling or unable to take the same stand she did. Well, in Natalie's case, the customers came to support Natalie, but the cops also came and so did Alberta Health Services inspectors. They issued her tickets and they tried multiple times to close her down, but Natalie inspired others to stand up and reopen their businesses too. And her act of rebellion made the Jason Kenney so-called conservative government roll back restrictions on salons and barbershops. And oh, 
By the way, did I mention Natalie Klein is also the niece of late great conservative premier Ralph Klein, beloved still by so many people and so well respected in official conservative circles, including those frequented by Premier Jason Kenney himself. Now, when Natalie Klein got her lockdown tickets, we were there to help, all of us, you and me. We offered Natalie some legal help through fightthefines.com. That's our largest civil liberties project to date. We use crowdfunding and an important partnership with the registered Canadian charity, the Democracy Fund, to connect average people, the victims of the lockdown, with top criminal and civil litigators to fight their lockdown tickets in court at no cost to those who are getting the tickets. And in Natalie's case, it worked. Natalie's two lockdown tickets were tossed out. She and her lawyer, Chad Williamson from Williamson Law, both received a letter from the Crown prosecutor in the case confirming that her tickets were withdrawn. It was an exciting day. I was actually there with Natalie in front of the Red Deer Hotel Conference Center that was doubling as a COVID court the day she got the news. But then the police recharged Natalie for the same offense, even though the Crown threw her tickets out. The police wanted another kick at the can, even after the prosecutor said the whole affair should be said and done and over. Well, it doesn't work like that in Canada. The police can't keep charging you and charging you and charging you until they finally get the result they want. The police and the government here are abusing the process, continuing to put Natalie Klein through the ringer over and over again. Why? Because she stood up and she spoke out and she encouraged others to do the same. So Natalie is suing the government for abuse of process and we're helping her do it. Well, folks, as the old saying goes, sometimes the best defense is a strong offense. And that is exactly what Ms. Klein is doing now. She's standing up to the bullies in the Alberta government who are seemingly on some sort of vindictive jihad to shut her business down. But beyond that, what is this business of the authorities constantly charging Natalie over and over again on the same withdrawn charges, no less, until they can finally get a result to their liking. Unbelievable. And joining me now for more on this story is Sheila Gunn-Reed. How you doing there, Sheila? I'm great, David. Thanks for having me on the show. Fantastic. Always a pleasure. Sheila, surely what's been happening to Natalie is not a thing. This business of no. getting prosecuted on the same charges over and over again. This has got to be abuse of authority, no? Well, that's what we think, and that's what Natalie thinks, and that's what her lawyer Chad Williamson thinks, that this is a charter violation, and it is also abusive process. These tickets were withdrawn. I was there the day that Natalie got the news. We were overjoyed because Chad Williamson had effectively worked with the Crown to get these charges withdrawn. And then the police and Alberta Health Services recharged her with the same tickets. And so, you know, thank goodness for fight the fines, because what person could go up against a government that just goes from bureaucracy to bureaucracy, trying to recharge you and find you guilty over and over again of the same thing? I'm so glad we're able to help Natalie 
first, we've got to get rid of those tickets. But at the same time, we're going to sue the government for abusing their power and abusing the process by continuing to go after Natalie after a Crown prosecutor has said, this is not in the interest of the public. We probably can't make these things stick. Let's get rid of them. The police can't overrule the Crown when they do those sorts of things. Sheila, uh, Chad is a legal superstar. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I can think of a uh, few other lawyers I'd want in my corner uh, other than Chad. He's so good. What has he told you about what Natalie is going through? Is, is this, I don't want to use the word unprecedented if, if, if that's not the right word, but it must be so rare. Yeah, it's certainly something that does not happen all the time. And um, in the video, uh, Chad's comments sort of allude to the fact that they are making an example of Natalie because she said disparaging things, rightfully so, about the government and their attacks on small business in the media. She's been highly critical of Alberta Health Services. And so they are using the police to execute a vendetta against her and punish her for her political comments that she's made in the media. And I think they're trying to really make an example of her, uh, trying to show other businesses, if you speak up, we're going to come for you. If you reopen, we're going to come for you. And if we do charge you, you better shut up about it. But, you know, Sheila, in the department of when it rains, it pours, hasn't Natalie Klein suffered enough? You have another video on a completely different subject matter involving Ms. Klein. It's her adverse reaction uh, to the vaccine. Um, why are they, you know, I'm getting a little emotional here because I don't understand that with all the arduous difficulties she had to go through in maintaining a business and creating yeah. a livelihood for her family. She's also got side effects from the shot and still they're going after this woman. Why? Yeah, they're treating her like public enemy number one. And all she did was open her three chair barber shop. That's all she did. She has three chairs in her barber shop. Nobody's in there that doesn't want to be in there. The community came out to support her. She's not running around to people's houses and cutting their hair in their sleep against their will. She opened her little tiny barber shop. She was only seeing one client at a time inside her barber shop. She was using all the sanitary protocols that the government was telling her a couple weeks earlier would be enough to keep her, her barber shop open. That's what she originally received the tickets for. And this after Jason Kenney thanked personal care businesses for the job they did during the pandemic um, and apologized for unfairly targeting them. Then he closed her business. She reopens. She gets these two tickets. She fights the tickets. Uh, tickets get thrown out. The government recharges her with the tickets. She's got to continue to fight those. In the meantime, her mom is sick. So she takes the Moderna vaccine even though she was skeptical about it, but she wanted to do her part. She has a cascade of catastrophic reactions, a stroke, heart problems, twice nearly going into cardiac arrest. She's dealing with lasting neurological issues from this. And the government is still pursuing her like she's the second half of Bonnie and Clyde. I don't know how any of this and all these wasted resources are in the public's interest. She's not a danger to anybody. The government is a danger to her. Oh, I totally agree. But 
Gilles, on the subject of the science, it's all about the science. You mentioned the sanitary and hygiene protocols that barbershops barber adhered to. Long before anyone ever heard of COVID, uh, these yeah. kind of shops adhered to a higher level of sanitation and hygiene than, you know, the average, oh, I don't know, big box store, which was yeah. still allowed to operate, cramming hundreds into their facilities. How does that make sense? I don't understand, Sheila. Well, and that's the thing. That's why Natalie reopened, because she's like, you can go into the Walmart, buy your own clippers with a million other people, um, walk through the store, touch everything. That's fine. Um, but you couldn't come be the only person in her barbershop and get a haircut from her when she is following the highest standards of uh health protocol. She's like, I know how to make sure that you don't get hepatitis and lice. Surely I can make sure that you don't get a cough. Yeah, and yet a, that wasn't enough. But apparently not. One last question, Sheila. Family relationships aside, if the late, great Ralph Klein was still among the living, what do you think he'd have to say about this story? I'm a bit of a scholar on Ralph Klein. And I know that one of the things that he was most brave about, one of the things that the left most hates about him and that conservatives most revere about him is that he was scared of no one and he was scared to do, uh, like he was never scared off anything uh, based on pressure from the media and based on pressure from the public sector unions. And we know a lot of this pandemic hysteria is driven by both the media and the public sector unions. Jace, I almost said Jason Kenney as though he were Ralph Klein, but that couldn't be further from the truth. <laughs> Ralph Klein stared down the public sector unions and the healthcare unions and made cuts where he needed to. Um, and he wasn't scared to do what was right for Albertans. And I think Jason Kenney is more scared of the public sector unions and the media than he is scared of the wrath of Albertans. And I think that's the difference between the two men. I think you're right, Sheila, and how sad, be it the municipal, the provincial, and even the federal level, where have all the Ralph Kleins gone to? How sad. Sheila, it was an excellent piece. I hope things get uh, better for Natalie, and uh, I know you'll be uh, keeping tabs mm -hmm. on that. And I hope she slaughters the government with this uh, suit coming up. She sure as heck deserves it, at least in my book. So thank you, my friend, and you have a great weekend. Thanks, David. And if people want to help Natalie fight yes. the government, they can donate at fightthefines.com. She's just one of nearly 2,500 other people that we're helping take on their lockdown tickets, fines, infractions, and sometimes criminal charges in court. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Sheila. And that Thanks, was David. Sheila Gunn-Reed somewhere in the northern hinterland of Alberta. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Mr. Chiro, why don't you take a day off campaigning and work the phones in terms of the Afghanistan humanitarian crisis? Again, you guys are walking into me, you know that? You just put the camera in my head. No, 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 you walked into me. I was just standing there. I was standing there 10 minutes ago. No, no, you walked into me, sir. That's technically assault, okay? You should know that if you're an officer of the law. Why do you call Mr. Johari a good man, Mr. Trudeau? He supports the biggest state sponsor of terrorism in the world, Iran. Wow.
David Menzies for Rebel News here in Richmond Hill, Ontario. Well, folks, we are at a uh, gathering of food trucks. That's not the story, of course. I wish them well. But we're here because we've been tipped off that Justin Trudeau is going to be dropping by to prop up, if you can believe it, the disgrace of a Liberal candidate, that is Majid Johari. This is the man who props up the Iranian regime, much the chagrin of so many Persians that are a significant minority here in Richmond Hill. Do you remember me trying to scrum Mr. Johari last Saturday? Check it out. Please wait. Even up. liberals have denounced you, uh, Mr. Johari. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Can you okay. wait You are associated with someone who is under investigation by CSIS, who has contributed to your campaign. What do you have to say about that? I've responded to that question already. Oh, okay. Can you respond right now, sir? Um, I, that was in a social gathering, and that funds has been When was that picture taken? Hey, how you doing, officer? Good. Are you here for me? We've been calling for something. <laughs> okay. Okay. Then Stop. Why are you walking Stop. so close to me? Stop. Because you're in my you're in my area. Okay. Well, you told me to come outside and I acquiesced to your demand, Mr. Johari. I've answered all your questions. It's better that you stop. Maybe this is a case for a detective or something to look into. I mean, you're telling me CSIS is investigating. I think it's a Bobar Okay. Okay then. Okay, so. We're going to wait here. We're going to wait for the arrival of uh, Prime Minister Trudeau and Mr. Johari. And we're going to try to ask questions. I'm not hopeful of answers, but we're going to ask questions nevertheless. Hey, Prime Minister Trudeau, why are you supporting somebody that supports the Iranian regime? Mr. Trudeau, why are you supporting a candidate here, Majid Johari, that supports the Iranian regime? Can you answer that? Mr. Trudeau, what do you have to say about our disgrace in Afghanistan? Mr. Trudeau, why do you support a candidate who associates with somebody who is under CSIS investigation, who has been described as a threat to national security? Mr. Trudeau? Why are you walking into me, sir? Huh? I can reach over if I want. I'm in a public place. Who are you? Oh, really? Okay, can I see your ID? Can I see your ID, sir? It's down below. Okay, okay what, what's your name and badge number? I'm not getting into that right now. Okay, well, I'm in a, I'm in a public place. I'm in a public place, and I'm not moving, okay? Just keep it on the other side. I'm in a public place, sir. Huh? Well, what, you got into my face. Hands trembling above my head. What are you doing up there? I'm trying to film the Prime Minister. What do you think it is, a gun? Come on, give me a break. Don't say that, all right? Mr. Trudeau, why do you support a candidate who supports the Iranian regime? Why are you bumping into me? Why are you getting your camera in my face? I'm not. You're getting in my face. Mr. Trudeau, what do you say about us leaving our Afghanistan allies behind? Why have you called this election, Mr. Trudeau? Mr. Trudeau, why won't you answer the questions? Well, that was the scene last Friday when Justin Trudeau and his not-ready-for-primetime players, a.k.a. his thuggish Mountie bodyguards, who like to literally step on my toes for reasons that elude me, dropped by Richmond Hill to prop up one of the more odious members of the Liberal Party of Canada, that being Majid Johari, a.k.a. the Persian Pinocchio. In any event, you had plenty to say about yet another disgraceful event on the Trudeau 2021 campaign trail. John Doherty writes, 
How dare you do journalism during a stage media event? Grr. Yes, John, apparently asking questions of Justin during selfie time is a hate crime. Uh, either that or our prime minister is deaf. Paul Hyde writes, get the faces of the media boarding the other red bus. Oh, Paul, I often try to do just that, but they literally run away when they see me coming. Remember when I walked up to the Globe and Mail reporter Marike Walsh a few weeks ago in Barrie, Ontario? Here, check it out. Are you with the mainstream media? Oh, it says media, Mar Marika Walsh. Just wondering, getting government money, do you think you can objectively report on uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, Mariki? Ms. Walsh, are you able to uh, be uh, non-biased in your reporting even though you're getting paid by the Trudeau Liberals? Yeah, so how does that three blind mice lyric go? Oh yes, see how they run, see how they run. And hey, how do you like it, folks, that your tax dollars are propping up these cowardly stenographers? John Doe writes, David, you are doing an amazing job. Rebel News needs funding to ensure your continued coverage of this election. Here is my $200 now. Wow, John, thank you so much for the kind words and thank you so much also for your generosity. It's funny, some in the mainstream media mock us for our crowdfunding initiatives, but to me, this is the most honest way of raising money, simply asking for it. Compare that to the mainstream media folks that embraces a negative option billing system. You know, your donation to these lapdogs come out of your paycheck on a regular basis, whether you like it or not. SC writes, I'm surprised Trudeau didn't run into Doug Ford at the cheesecake truck. Oh, oh, poor Premier Ford. I guess his staff forgot to tell him that there was a ton of cherry cheesecake waiting for him in Richmond Hill that day. Ooh, heads are going to roll on this one, I'll tell you, folks. Turbo TDI writes, that was juicy, but he's a drama teacher and there was sure a lot of drama. Hey, Turbo TDI, get your facts straight. Justin Trudeau was a part-time drama teacher, okay? Stop insulting all the full-time drama teachers who toil in our great dominion, will you? Jacob Urban writes, Johari loves Iran more than he loves Canada. Well, you know, Jacob, I've lived in Richmond Hill for more than 20 years now. This city has a significant Iranian population. And I'll tell you, the Persians I have met here are great people, folks who fled the Islamo-fascist regime that their homeland, their homeland had become after the 1979 revolution. It is downright baffling that the pro-regime Johari is a member of parliament. But then again, let it be said, these liberals have an inexplicable soft spot in their hearts for terrorism, don't they? Some examples. In addition to Johari, we have our own homegrown Al-Qaeda terrorist and murderer, Omar Khadr, receiving 10.5 million for essentially suffering from hurt feelings. And let's not forget that during his disastrous India trip, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau invites along Jaspal Atwal, who is a member of an illegal Sikh separatist group, 
and who was convicted of attempted murder. Then there was Mark Garneau the other day suggesting that it's possible Canada might recognize the Taliban as the new government of Afghanistan. And of course, we had the Minister for Women and Gender Equality, a.k.a. Maryam Monsef of No Fixed Address, referring to the butchers and barber barbarians that make up the Taliban as brothers. Yep, I don't get it either. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.